You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 89 and 90 of our transmission of the scriptures through the oral tradition. We're Woo-hoo! talking through the Bible in a year, and it's been good. Where are we in our Old Testament today, Matt? All right, our Old Testament reading for today is Numbers chapter 27, verse 12, through chapter 31, verse 24. A lot of numbers you just read there. Yes. I see what you did there. Well, it was just true. It was a true statement. We're, we're saying the obvious as well as the not so obvious. And it appears actually this time through the reading very obvious that Joshua would be chosen as a successor. Correct. <laughs> I mean... You are not wrong. What I realized is uh, there's only really three originals. The OG, the original, uh, the OE, the original Exodusers. Yes. Exodizers. Um, Exodonians. Exodonians are Moses, Caleb, and Joshua. Mm -hmm. Aaron is dead. Mm -hmm. Miriam is dead. Everyone has died in the wilderness. We are at that point. And so it makes sense then that God chooses Josh, uh, Joshua because he's already involved in all the military stuff. He's involved yeah. uh, as Moses' right-hand man. And so it looks like he's the next guy. He is the next guy. And it is interesting to think about how he's probably like somewhere between 60 and 80 years old. Right. Oh, and you know Moses' concern here? It's really beautiful. In verse 17, he says, Who shall go out before them and come in um, before them? Who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd? Mm -hmm. You know, like the concern. And then you hear Jesus say that. He literally quotes Moses. I don't think I ever realized. I always just figured Jesus looked with compassion on the people and said, You're like sheep without a shepherd. But he's quoting Moses, Mm -hmm. and Moses' concern that uh, now that I'm going to go, who's going to shepherd, go before the Lord, go before the Lord on their behalf, and lead them into the places of God and to the goodness of God. Yeah, and he kind of sets up a new way for uh, Eleazar and Joshua to communicate and discern the word of the Lord. Which is interesting because it's not going to be as personal right. as it was with Moses. Moses and God had a special relationship going on. And now it's going to be through the uh, Urim and Thurim. Yeah. Thuman, maybe. Uh, and it's like through the sacred lots and they would cast them to, and God would guide them on what the answers would be for the nation and where they should go and what they should do. Because it will no longer be a consistent face-to-face conversation and you see kind of the similar thing where aaron is passing it on to eleazar Mm -hmm. the high priest robes and everything but moses does it through touching through laying the hands on through commissioning and so joshua is full of the spirit and the one thing i noted was that um moses led yeah by being directly with god and joshua is going to lead the people through word and spirit of god Mm -hmm. it's going to be a good shepherd led by the word of god and and I think we'll get there when we get to Joshua, but be strong and courageous. Mm-hmm. What's the rest of that verse about? Um, I thought it had something to do with the Word of God. I don't know. Oh well, but we'll find out when we we'll get, get there. We'll get there. Yeah. 
So Joshua is the next guy, and it's yes. a good thing because he is a military expert. Yeah, and, and they're going to do some military conquests. They're about up. to take the land, and mm-hmm. part of the uh, promise is that you're going to clean the land. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another reason why the tabernacle, it, it requires so much cleansing and being baptized, in a sense, and prepared to be holy because you're going into a land that is dirty. Mm-hmm. It's, it's filthy. It's covered in all the um, demonic powers that have claimed it, and so you got to go in there and clean it out. So, anything else about that in verse tw- in chapter twenty-seven? Nope. So then it goes into daily offerings, our most exciting part of the Bible, where we go through the offerings again, the daily offerings, the Sabbath offerings, the monthly offerings, mm-hmm. all the way through the Passover offerings, offerings for the Feast of Weeks, offerings for the Feast of Trumpets. Offerings for the Day of Atonement, offering for the Feast of Booths. Okay, I'm just reading the titles. So here's my question for you, listeners. Do you think offering is important to God? <laughs> A little bit. Yeah, seeing how this is two chapters, and they're I think this is the third time they've gone over it. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, again, it's re- Telling the same thing to the new generation, saying this is how you're going to offer things. This, like all the things we've set up earlier, mm-hmm. the old generation still stand. You're still going to do them. This is still required, and uh, we expect you to continue on. And so, it, like I kind of get the sense of like as Moses is nearing the end, he's kind mm-hmm. of wanting to reiterate and say over and over again to the new gen, like please continue these things yeah it's it's totally this family we knew when my daughter was in kindergarten their child had a peanut allergy mm-hmm. and the mom came in several times told all the parents he has a peanut allergy you cannot touch peanuts you cannot be around peanuts peanuts cannot be in the air do not pack this for your you know over and over and over again like oh hey it's third time we're here just want to let you know our son has a peanut allergy he mm-hmm. will die and so it is again like this is what guarantees God's blessing mm-hmm. and his presence and communion with you. Right. So here's how we offer it. Here's how we approach him. Here's what we do. Here's how we remember. Here's the Sabbath days, the burnt offering, the drink offering. And by the way, there's only one way when you have a peanut allergy to stay alive. And that's not to be around peanuts at all. And there's only one way to be with the God of the universe. <laughs> Through the way he sets up. Mm-hmm which is be apart from sin totally. Have it paid for. There's only one way to be with God. It's through Jesus Christ. So don't ever get confused. If someone ever says, there's many ways to God. I think everybody's right. Just say, well, that's not what the kid with the peanut allergy says. (laughs) God rest his soul. If you were taking care of him, he'd be dead. Did you really want to kill the kid with the peanut allergy? Well, your faith looks like you did. Saying there's many ways to God, please. Quickest way to kill that kid. Anyway, things just took a really horrible turn. But the good news is, Christ protects us even when we bring peanuts into the peanut allergy zone. But he's making a way for his people. You are going into a land, and you're going to celebrate all these feasts, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement. And, uh, and all these feasts require time off. They require yeah. a lot of faith. Like you have to, Because think about it. If I said, we're going to have a seven-day, eight-day celebration, I want you to be at. Bring... A bunch of bulls and goats and rams, and I know that's going to be sandwiched maybe in tomorrow's reading, but, um, oh no, we cover it today. Yeah, it's we cover it. 29. Yeah. But I was just thinking, you know, I ask somebody to come on an evening to like a small group, and it's uh-huh. a big ask. I get it. You're coming yeah. home from work. It's hard. 
What if I said use a week of vacation to offer up these things to God? And we're going to feast every day. Well, who's going to take care of the farm? Who's going to do all these things? I'm pretty tired, and I was hoping to go on a trip, you know, to the Sea of Galilee later today, later this week. Um, and so it takes a lot of faith, and it wasn't any easier for them mm-hmm. than it is for us to take mm-hmm. off a week here, a week there. But God loves feasting, and he's trying to say, this is what happens. By the time you offer yourself and you go through the things I say to go through, you get to feast, and I will take care of your crops, and I will take care of your lives. And so he's setting that up again as they're about to um, deal with the enemy, yeah. which will hate them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thanks for that. letting me go on that little rant. Yeah, no worries. And then we get into uh, 30, which is about vows before the Lord. Oh, wait, in 29. Yeah. Before, on the, as to the Feast of uh, Booths. Yes. So always remember what God did. Always remember what he did um, in the Exodus. So celebrate that. But there's this seven days. The first day, 13 bulls. The second day, 12 bulls. The third day, 11. It goes all the way down to seven. So it's a total of 70 bulls are offered mm-hmm. for this week, which is a cool number. Um, but the eighth day, you all get together and you only offer one bull, mm-hmm. which I thought was spectacular. That the eighth day, the new creation, the end of the feast, is it comes down to one bull mm-hmm. that you offer up. It comes down to one sacrifice, one eternal sacrifice. Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> there we go. Um, it all leads to the eighth day. The yes. new generation needs to never forget that. Mm-hmm. Never forget. It's kind of come down to one last sacrifice. And so look for it and anticipate it. Now, in the meantime... As you go into the land, you need to know something about the word of God, but you also need to know something about your words. Yes. And the vows you make. In God's name. In God's name. So this is dealing with uh, the second commandment, the second word of the Lord, which is uh, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Yes. And it's that means concerning vows. And so when you make a vow and you swear on God's name to keep it, you better keep it Mm -hmm. or else the sin is going to be on your head. And so there's like a really short section for men. But the sin though is is combining the sin of making a vow is not thinking about you're making a vow saying God will do this, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. And at least the sense I got from numbers is you're making a vow to join with somebody else to fulfill like there's an idea of joining, I thought, is what I got from this. Maybe it's because it was about marriage and women and... Well, yeah, and I mean, the vows are just, I, like, I'm going to pay this or I'm yeah. going to give someone this, like, amount of money or gift something, and and yeah. the vow is just, I'm going to complete this task with God's help. That's And that's in true. God's name. And if you don't complete it, and you're just using it as a way to manipulate someone... You're in trouble. That's bad. And you're... You, you're shaming God's name and it just becomes uh, worthless. Right. You're taking the worth from God's name by using his name to back up your vows and then never... It's like saying, I swear it. to God and then you have no intentions so of, of keeping it. Right. Keeping it. And That's the true meaning of using God's name in vain. Yes. And then, so they have quick... With men, it's like, you better do it. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. Like, you shall not yeah. break your word. 
And then there's this interesting thing with women and with their with daughters and wives where if they make a vow and the husband or the father hears it, uh, the husband or father can say, oh, no, you're not going to keep that. Right. Stop. Don't say that. And they declare it null and void, and the woman is no longer held and right. doesn't have to keep it. But if the husband or the father doesn't say anything or just fails to say something, then she has to keep it. So this is why I was think what what I was saying was I was probably jumping the gun. In a tribal society mm-hmm. where women are hoping to become a dependent. Right. So that that's their goal in life is get married, have babies, and you'll be protected mm-hmm. part of the community by the warrior men. Because in that world any Anybody can, uh, you're in tribes, literally. Mm-hmm. And so um, the way I read it too was it's protecting women from if a guy likes you and says, I want to marry you, mm-hmm. or let's, uh, let's do this, she might be intimidated or whatever. And that's why I think the father, or she might say yes and just mm-hmm. be totally in love. But mm-hmm. the father's going, we can't mix with that tribe. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that tribe. They've stolen right. from us. You know what I mean? So it is a communal decision on who you're joining with. Right. And so even if a mistake was made in the, the heat of being in love or mm-hmm. whatever, um, the authority figure, the father who uh, is protecting the tribe mm-hmm. and making sure that your vows to somebody are best for the tribe. Right. And then the other thing, the flip side I, I got from it too was if a woman does and it, uh, give a vow, make a vow, and it is honest and good and the husband or father hears it and declares it null and void that she's still free but the sin is now on the father or the husband because mm-hmm. they have the authority and they shouldn't have stopped her from following through with this ah. good vow and so now but it's still protecting the woman from any fallout right because her husband or father said she couldn't fulfill that vow so interesting it still is about our words matter our words matter as the people of god Mm -hmm. our vows to people to do things or not do things are important Mm -hmm. then chapter 31 man i'm trying to think how far did did we We go go, no we go to 24 uh which is good that yeah okay so Remember Balaam? I do. How could I forget sweet Balaam? Remember the Moabites and the Midianites and and Baal of Peor? Yes. Uh, bringing the women of the Midianites and Moabites tempted and brought the, what we get is probably mostly the tribe of Simeon mm-hmm. off to worship Baal and their fertility rituals and Phineas stopped it and put it I an remember. End. Yeah, well, God's like, all right, we need to just wipe them all out. Like that group that did this, we need to get rid of them. And uh, you find out here that the Midianites were acting on Balaam's advice. Right. That Balaam, after he couldn't curse the Israelites, was figured out, well, here, here's a way for God to curse the Israelites is if you get them to worship another God. Yeah. And so they, this whole thing was given on Balaam's advice, and God's like, all right, we can't have them around and following you guys, and uh, we're going to need to wipe them all out. So this is, God says to Moses, here's, 
you're going to die. And here's mm-hmm. the last thing I want you to do. Yeah. Is take a vengeance on the Midianites because yes. of what Balaam told them to do. Yes. And I, I just was thinking like on a literary scale, you know, Moses came out of Egypt where Pharaoh was killing all the boys of the Israelites Mm-hmm. where he killed an Egyptian. Remember, Moses yep. is familiar. Yep. So, like, I always think of Moses as more of a prophet than Joshua, but, you know, Moses is a military guy, not afraid to kill somebody mm-hmm. at a young age. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see it flipped now from the different side. Moses is being given authority to clean the people who are at war with Israel. Right. They're trying to wipe them out through confusing their religion. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is his last big push is this war mm-hmm. and uh it's to wipe out the midianites and phineas is actually put in charge of this campaign because of his him like killing the simeonite clan leader well it is it is all steeped in that like levi and simeon yeah. and now you have the levites who wanted to take revenge on dinah yeah now god is saying i want to use that that strand that dna for violence and yeah and protecting the lord i'm going to use that now properly to actually uh wipe out the midianites yeah the real threats and again it has to do with sexuality and things it's very interesting how these things are all connected Mm -hmm. but they do it it's a pretty hardcore little he takes the king he kills the kings and then it just says very nonchalant and they also killed balaam the son of beor with the sword so yeah. Balaam is gone. Balaam, all the men get killed, wiped out, and then they bring all the women, children, and cattle uh, and parade them in front of Moses. And Moses has an interesting reaction. Yeah, he's not like, good job, guys. He's like, why are the women who led us all into sin and spread a plague? Yeah. So what most historians or what we've found is at least we haven't dug too deep into this, mm-hmm. but it's like the general consensus among um, some scholars. It sounds like the Midianites introduced some STDs yes. to the people of God mm-hmm. and started a plague. And so Moses is like, why are you keeping these women? Mm-hmm. We must wipe out all the men who are 20 years and older, you know, all the mm-hmm. men who have fought because you mm-hmm. can't assimilate them to the way we, the way we think and what we worship. But you also need to, we need to get rid of all the women who have been involved in sexuality and carry the plague and would be harder to assimilate to worship God. Because right. if we're going to keep anybody, it's not, and it's not necessarily the women and children aren't the spoils of war. It's right. more of like, this is going to build our people now. This is how you did when you took mm-hmm. over another kingdom. You assimilated, and the ones who wouldn't assimilate, you got rid of because they were always going to be trying to destroy your kingdom. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. He's like, you need to get rid of them. They are the problem. Right. And they do. And they do. And then uh, then Moses and Eleazar come up with like the guidelines of like, okay, you've handled some death. So you got to stay out of the camp. You got to wash yourselves on the third and seventh day. We've been through this before. We got the ashes of the red heifer to cleanse you. And and then any goods that you've, that you've gotten, uh, like you've got to pass them through fire and water to cleanse them before oh, they yeah. come into the camp. Is that for tomorrow? But no, nope, it, it stops up at 24. I love that. Like anything that can withstand fire. Pass it through. We got to cleanse yeah, it. We're cleansing it. We're getting rid of all the peanut dust. Yeah. Anything that was bad or contaminated 
or dedicated? physically or spiritually. Yeah, because a lot of this stuff, a lot of the jewelry would be dedicated to Baal and their yeah. gods. And so again, it's breaking all of these connections, and the look, physical and spiritual connections to things. It's taken me years to understand this because you read it and rightly so, you're like, man, God sounds really harsh. Mm-hmm. Why is he so much murder? But you got to realize all of these things that they took have been dedicated to false gods. They've right. been dedicated to demonic powers. They are under the spell. They carry the the signs and the symbols and all the curses. And so God is teaching us and saying, look, you're already under death. If you're under that mm-hmm. God, you are dead. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we, I got to clean it. Yep. Um, and it's helpful. I mean, it's still hard for us to understand everything um, from where we come from. But if you can understand the, the main idea that God's trying to protect his kids from sickness and to and from being cut off. Yeah, and from being... Uh, kidnapped. Joined up with other gods and right. demonic powers. And that's even the sexual confusion of the Midianites, mm-hmm. you know? It's like trying to combine blessing and curses. How can you do that? Right. These things ought not be. Right. So, what do we get out of this? <laughs> God is super specific about how his people are supposed to walk on the earth. Yeah, I just think God cares about... He's like very clear. He cares about sin in your life because it's only going to bring forth death. Right. And so he wants to eradicate it. And so some things have to die in your life, Mm -hmm. but that'll make room. That's like a pruning. It'll make room for uh, new and glorious growth. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Well. That was the Old Testament. Let's move to the New Testament. New Testament reading is Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 39. All right, so we have, uh, we're coming out of Jesus's interaction with the sinful woman at the Pharisee's house, the woman of the city, and the anointing he received there. And then Luke decides to take this moment to list all the women that were accompanying Jesus on his travels. Oh, yeah, I like this. And ministering to him and his disciples, which is really cool. I just like that um, they were ministering to him out of their means. Yeah. So there were a bunch of women who supported the work of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, emotionally, uh, spiritually, and physically were giving and making it possible. Which is really cool, and... We just, and Luke is like one of the few to even mention this, but it's just, it's a cool like note, like these were women and they were highly valued among Jesus's followers. And so really throughout the the gospels, you see the women supporting Jesus and then they're the ones who are there at his death and Mm -hmm. resurrection. Yeah. They were the first ones. Faithful uh, to the end and a little bit stronger and not as easily scared as the men. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting. Um, and then we get into, yeah, then we get into the parable of the sower and then Jesus's explanation, which we've run into this already in the other ones. Yeah. I, I just think it's great. Like for me, the idea of farming Mm -hmm. and the patience that it requires being, um, analogous to the word of God being preached or presented or or praying for your friends, or praying for your family to know Jesus and to come to Jesus. I just think it's really encouraging that like three times out of four, it's going to be tough. 
Right. You know, what I mean, so Jesus is setting the bar. He's, you know, because what, you know, we'll we'll invite someone to Easter service or church. They don't come, and and at least for me, it's like, oh well, I tried. Mm-hmm. And Jesus sets the bar at, oh no, man, there's there's the devil, there's the there's testing, there's the pleasures of this world and no maturity that will all choke it out or have it dry up or whatever. And so, you know, one out of four will have good soil, and you'll know they'll have good soil because. Um, they'll bear fruit, but mm-hmm. even bearing fruit, you know, we're talking from seed to fruit. You know, uh, we had an orange tree that we already bought it. It was already kind of like 10 gallon orange tree and it still took three years to get a couple oranges. And mm-hmm. then four years, we got a bunch of oranges. And then five years we got, okay, we're starting to get more. And so uh, I just love that he's telling the disciples the, the word of God found good soil in you because mm-hmm. you've stuck with it mm-hmm. and you've walked through hard things and you're still believing. It's not going to be that way for everybody, but mm-hmm. keep casting the seed and let me use the sun and the rain and the earth and let me do, let me do my work. But not everyone will hear uh, and it won't result in life in everyone. Yeah. And the idea is just going to take time and patience. Yeah. And it's always slower than we want it to be. <laughs> always. Always. But then I think Luke purposely follows it up with, but this is the light. You don't put the light under... Uh, the lamp under a jar. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting because um, in this one, it seems like he's saying the light is the word of God. Right. And that's interesting where the other ones, it seems like it's implied that we're the light. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this one, it's the word of God is the light of the world and it can't be hidden. That's like my my idea of it like i've always heard it spun where it's like no don't snuff the light out or don't try to hide it or don't try to hide your light but i always hear it from more of like god's view and like more of a fact Mm -hmm. it is just a light god created it as a light and he's not going to hide it and it's just there and it's in the darkness and it can't be snuffed out it can't be hidden yeah because i i believe in this sense the light is the word of god yeah and it will overwhelm the darkness but he says you know, to those who have more will be given more, and those who lose it, they'll lose everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll get more because the Word of God is a light, and that light either leads the way mm-hmm. and, and helps your life, or it exposes uh, dirt. It right. exposes things. And so if you see the light as something that's exposing you and it's angering you, well, then that light will be taken away. Mm-hmm. And more will be given to the person who has faith and wants to be led by it. You know, like you, like if you're guilty, you'll run out of the street lamp yes. to find yeah. darkness. But if you're innocent, you will stay under the, every light mm-hmm. you can get to through the dark alley of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Found it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that God's word is the light. And then, uh, then it goes to who is my mother and my brother. Right. Because again, it's the word of God that combines us and makes us a new family. Mm-hmm. It's his word that says, you are my daughter, you are my son. In faith, you will get my inheritance. Right. And all who obey my word and trust my word are my family. So I don't, I don't see Jesus as turning away his mother and brothers as being like condemning or dishonoring. He's just saying to the people around, um, we're connected now by faith. Right, through the and word it, of God. And we know from other accounts, they're coming to stop him because they're scared that he's going to get in trouble. Right. And they're right. And they're, he is going to get in trouble. Yes, they're not wrong. But he doesn't fully, they don't fully understand what he's doing. Um, 
So the, he throws that in. Again, I think it's connected to the Word of God. Yeah, I think that all of these are connected to the Word of God. There is a reason they're listed together. Because at first it seems like a hodgepodge. but right. Luke, yeah, it's been harder to find kind of But right now, smaller I think things. he's hitting the what the Word of God is. So mm-hmm. it's a light. It is a unifying force for family. And then we get to the story of Jesus calms a storm. And his word has authority over nature. Yeah. Uh which is pretty awesome, which we've already gone over this, unless there's something new. Well, the only thing new is it's just, yeah, his, again, it's, it's now the word of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is the, the, his word, when it finds good soil, brings life. His word mm-hmm. makes us his family. And then his word, actually, he's the creator of the earth. Right. And so he says, where's your faith, you know? How come you're afraid? And then we get Jesus healing the man with the legion of demons Oh, yeah. And now his word has authority over unclean spirits. Yeah. And, and one last thing, though, I just realized. Um, when he says in the boat, where is your faith? I just like that question. Like, when did you start believing? Oh, a long time ago when I was a kid or whatever. And then what areas of your life did you, do you stop believing? Mm-hmm. So what storms? And you can almost pinpoint. And you're like, well, when... When something in my marriage happens, that's where it's like, I don't know if I have the faith. I I instantly freak out. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, all right, calm down. (laughs) He has the authority to do that. And and then this leads into the demoniac. So Luke has the um, longest narrative narrative of it. And the only other place is Mark that gives the account of this, Mm -hmm. I believe. And, um, And this is where he has the power to just speak again, over the demonic. I, I love it. And he says, this is where Jesus says, what is your name? Mm-hmm. Did Mark have what is your name? I, I couldn't remember I if Legion... Remember. But, no, uh, yeah, Legion came up, yes. Okay. So the authority is what is your name mm-hmm. and the multitude of demons inside of this guy who had distorted his body, distorted his mind, um, got him to be isolated, drawn to tombs in mm-hmm. the wilderness, like superhuman strength. He mm-hmm. breaks through chains. Like, these are all the signs of demonic... Um, possession right and uh he just says what's your name and they don't fight him they just say legion for we are many right and then they beg him knowing that he is and and oftentimes we've seen this too through um our third gospel readings here is you just see that the demonic understand who jesus is way before the disciples right so please don't send me to hell send me into those pigs it was Mm -hmm. their idea and like jesus kind of has mercy on them it's interesting like he sends them into the herd of pigs and then the herd of pigs just instantly run off and and drown drown themselves themselves. which i was just thinking of a herd like when i lived in england herds are huge like i got scared Mm -hmm. when our herd of sheep came from both sides (laughs) because i realized i was on the shepherd's path and they thought i had food and i ran i was trying to impress a girl i told you this story Uh, i think right i was trying to impress a girl we're going on a walk it's like the second week we're in england and I'm like walking through this field and all of a sudden hundreds of sheep, the whole herd came from both sides. I ran, jumped the fence and she stood there surrounded by hundreds of sheep screaming (laughs) and I left her. Uh, And so, you know, seeing a herd of pigs, just the sound of it. Yeah. Stampeding to their death. Mm -hmm. And then I like to imagine noises too, you know, just making all sorts of noises. Demon possessed pigs die. And so of course, 
everyone's freaked out. You've ruined yeah. our economy, mm-hmm. and what is going on here? And why yeah. is the demon-possessed man that we've always had kind of up in the hills sitting there in his right mind, clothed? Yeah, like a proper disciple. Yeah, like, and I can kind of see the confusion. Like, wait, he's friends with Jesus? So maybe Jesus has some dark... Yeah. Maybe Jesus is connected mm-hmm. to the darkness. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what they decide on. They say, get out of here. And yeah. And then this is one of the few times because he's on the opposite side of Galilee and in a Gentile region that yeah. he actually tells this man, go out and tell everyone about me. I know. Don't come. Don't follow me. Go and back to your hometown and tell everyone. Because the guy me. desperately wanted. So this yeah. is the rare guy who's healed who says, I just want to follow you now. Yeah. You know, everybody else is like going off and telling everybody. Right. This guy's like, I just want to follow you. And then Jesus says, you know what? Everyone knows how crazy you were. You just being a normal person, well, you will become an amazing evangelist in your hometown. Yes. Because they'll be like, what happened? Yeah. Which is how evangelism works. People go, what happened to you? Why, why do you have life? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And at the end of this, this is one of those passages, too, where um, there's certain times and seasons where or you might talk to certain people and and we get nervous and scared about demonic possession or demonic attacks, mm-hmm. but Christ has all authority. Yes. And so if you're ever feeling weird or scared, I would say always, it never hurts just to go, Jesus, will you protect me? Mm-hmm. Jesus, will you speak truth over me? And he always will because he has power over um, not only creation, but all demonic powers. And then we see his compassion. I'm seeing this story now with Jairus and the woman. With the, Do we read that today? No. What? We're done here. We're done? Yeah. Oh, well, come back, uh, the next, come back to our next episode. I have a whole thing <laughs> that I really like about Jairus' daughter, 12-year-old daughter, yes. and the woman with the issue of blood yes. for guess how many years? 12. 12 years. Okay. Mm. Well, that's uh, so at the end of it, we can take rest and find our rest in Jesus Christ, who has power over the waves of all the storms. He has power over uh, the demoniac and and demons. He Mm -hmm. is our light, and we keep proclaiming the word of God, and he'll keep giving it. All right. All right. Are you reading a psalm or a proverb today, Matt? Uh, We have two psalms to choose from here. The psalms. So good. I'm going to finish. I started the Psalm 38 last episode. I'm going to finish Psalm 38 this episode. And again, it's David confessing his sinfulness before God and recognizing his place before God. Cool. I mean, all the 39ers out there will be disappointed. Correct. I think the 38ers are going to be pretty happy. Yeah. Let's hear it. All right. But I am like a deaf man. I do not hear, like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear, and in whose mouth there are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me, who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity, I am sorry for my sin, but my foes are vigorous, they are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good, accuse me because I follow after good. 
Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord of my salvation. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you again next time.